Howdy folks and welcome to episode 49 of the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. I'm your host Matt Zapala and this week's special guest is Hayden Crossley. Funnily enough, Hayden was doing some placement at my high school three and a bit years ago and I absolutely loved his passion and dedication towards movement and leading a health conscious lifestyle. From then on in, I followed Hayden's journey for the next three years and I think that this is a perfect time to be able to pick his brain about all things health, wellness and movement. Hayden is a wealth of knowledge in this field. He's a certified PE teacher, personal trainer and an advocate for movement and strength training. Currently, Hayden is traveling the world, taking one day at a time and living out the back of a van. He is the definition of living the dream. I was lucky enough to catch Hayden in Austria, where he stopped by at a little cafe to record the episode. So if you're a coffee lover like me, you'll get excited at the sounds the machine makes during the episode in the background. All jokes aside, thanks so much for your time today, Legend. I really appreciate the sacrifices that you made to record the episode. Hayden also gives us practical tips on how he incorporated his passion for movement with traveling while still maintaining balance and immersing himself in all the different cultures he's been traveling. That's all from me. I'll see you guys on the other side. Hayden Crossley, welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast, mate. Awesome to have you on board. Matthew, mate. Thanks for having me, pal. So good to cross paths again, my friend. I know... I've fond memories of you, you know, being my um, part part of my phys ed teacher in year eleven and twelve, and um, we sort of connected through the power of movement. And um, you taught me a lot without you even realizing it. And your passion for fitness, you know, led us to led us to connect paths on social media. I've been following you for a while, mate, and now you're joining us from the other side of the world. Talk to us a little bit about your journey there, Hayden. Yeah, mate. So currently in Innsbruck in Austria. But yeah, like you said, that's the most rewarding part for me, especially with teaching. Like seeing a student doing what he's doing at the moment, like it's a great thing. You know, it's a really great thing. It's, it, it, it only it empowers me just as it empowers you. You know, me seeing people that I have collaborated with, because I, I like seeing it as a facilitated, facilitated environment rather than me teaching you. It's a facilitated environment, especially that of CEDA. You know, so when I see students like you doing great things and growing tremendously it, it, it's empowering for me as well you know so that that's hats off for you mate as well thanks for the kind words my friend now um we we're chatting a bit before the podcast about your you know your decision to pack up and, and live life on the road i understand you've you've been traveling all over europe and all all over the world um in in a little van talk to us a little bit about what started that experience and and what how long your journey's been going and what sort of things you've uh, seen along the way mate yeah awesome so Basically, in 2017, I made myself the promise to finish my degree. I'll finalize my degree because since 2012, I was traveling continuously, basically up until 2017. And I found myself always going off in different directions. You know, I would have several different goals rather than focusing on one specific goal and making sure that happened. I would try and work through multiple goals at once. My mentality was multitasking was the way to be. I then realized that multitasking is actually not productive at all. In actual case, you should be focusing on specific goals. So this mindset came from realizing that my three-year degree was taking me five years. So on the fifth year, I was like, I'm not letting this go anymore. I'm going to put my head down for the remainder of 2017. 
After that, I'm going to have the goal to leave. I'm going to live the dream that I wanted to do. I'm going to move over to the UK. I'm going to play football in the UK. I'm going to teach in the UK. And then I'm going to travel all over Europe and the world. Okay, so that time came. I graduated and I kept my own promise to myself. I left the country. I moved over to the UK and I did exactly what I said I was going to do. Now, all that, all that, um, all that said, it was a hard work that got me there. You know, it was the, it was the decision to actually put my head down and go through the graft before I could actually do the things that I wanted to do. So um, basically now, uh, since then, sorry, I've traveled through Africa, I've traveled through Southeast Asia, Asia, and majority of Europe, and I'm currently recording this with you in a small cafe in Austria. So yeah, life's really great at the moment, to say the least, actually. I love it, dude. You touched on it before. You are well and truly living the dream, my friend. And I love something that you said earlier in that little statement about, you know, being goal focused and being able to shift your, you know, your, your focus towards goals. You had goals that you wanted to set out the, at the beginning of your, um, at the beginning of your journey, but the ability to switch between goals and understand, look, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I've got these, these things that I want to achieve, but right now it's not the time to be putting enough energy into something that's going to happen down the track. So I'm going to focus on this one goal and being able to, to shift between goals, is such a great skill. So a testament to yourself, mate. Yeah. Thank you. Mate. Thank you. We're going to get a little bit more into your journey on the road and then the things that you've learned and how, you know, the experiences you've made a bit later on, but I want to bring it right back to the beginning, mate. And what was life like for you growing up? Okay. Yeah. So growing up, I had, I had a great childhood to say the least, but I was also one of the heavier kids. So as a younger kid, I was, I was a, heavier, a heavier boy, especially through uh, later, primary, later primary school and early high school. And funny story, actually, how my, how my um, mentality works. I used to be obsessed with the game Pokemon. Okay? So for about five to seven years, I was well and truly obsessed with this game. Okay? So my mentality was always to have the best Pokemon, always to train always to train them, make sure they were up to scratch, make sure they were eating the right foods, making sure they were um, having the best moves, okay? And then one day it clicked to me, one day it clicked to me, why am I so obsessed with training these Pokemon through a Game Boy when I could use the exact same mental mentality and train myself and make myself that person? And then from that clicking moment, I literally changed. I, I signed up to a gym at 14 years old and then I never looked back. I looked at myself as that Pokemon. It's a, it's a strange story. It's funny, as, but like legit, that's exactly how my headspace was working and how, how it switched for me. <laughs> I love it. It's like the, um, the old mentality about people, you know, playing the game called Sims and how they learn to adapt their life skills into a video game, but you've actually put that into a practical setting and, and practice on yourself. That, that's exactly right. And it, it was only then until I realized, you know, as I started doing this, my confidence started growing, my self-esteem started improving. And then I saw, I saw what that was doing to the rest of my life. And that's when I just started excelling. I was a late bloomer, say, uh, um, as, the, as the saying goes, I was, a, I was a late bloomer. So once my confidence started in, in improving, once I saw my, my physique changing, that's when things in life started really happening for me. Yeah, excellent, dude. And you mentioned growing up, you had like a, a passion for movement after, you know, that, that shift in from taking your life out off a Pokemon screen to, to real life setting. What, what did your passion for movement consist of? And were you playing any sports at the, at the time or was it just strictly, you know, gym work? Yeah, through younger years, I was playing a fair few sports. So I tried basketball, I tried swimming, I played tennis for a while. 
Um, but throughout all of it, from about 12 years old, I was always playing football. So soccer, I mean soccer football. And uh, I played that majority of my life and, and still do. Um, so that was, my, that was my main sport. The, the passion for movement came in when um, I was basically going over into Italy in 2012 for football trials in a, in a northern city called Genoa. So I played, I played there for about four months and then I went into England and, and played some more there. Now, um, there were a few offers that were not good enough for me to actually stay and live away from family and never come home. But from that experience, it made me realize how much more I want to do better because I knew that physically, like I had the potential to be better. But in, in saying that anyone does, you know, if you have a body, you have an athlete, you are an athlete as the, as the saying goes that I see in a lot of um, Nike and Adidas stores. So it, it, it comes down to, it comes down to your own mentality. It comes down to what you want for yourself, you know? So the passion for movement kind of came from the realization that the potential is up to you. Your own potential is completely up to you. You know, there's, someone can't tell you your potential stops here. You know, only you can tell you that your potential stops here. So once you realize that, you realize the sky is the limit. You know, you can always continuously keep getting better. Yeah, definitely do then. You know, following your journey and, and, you know, getting into conversation with you, I know that you work a lot with athletes when you were back down in Melbourne. And, and I guess that passion for working with athletes came from being an athlete yourself. Did you have any, you know, aspirations to play professional football? I'm glad you cleared that football um, query up early in the podcast because all of my Australian listeners will be thinking we're playing with an oval ball, but no, we're playing with a round ball at the moment. So talk to us about your professional ambitions um, in your early years. Yeah, look, you know, especially as a as a younger adolescent, I feel like, especially the people the, the people I chose to surround myself with at a younger age who are very much immersed in sport. A lot of these friends that I made, we all have the, that sort of dream. You know, young young people all have that dream to be a pro athlete. It's one, it's a it's a very common dream at a younger age. You know, and and with that said, it still is. You know, it still is. But you realise that at a certain time, it it, it slowly starts becoming more and more out of reach. But the, the strive for professionalism was in 2012 when I was at a younger age and I did go over to Italy. I gave it what I had. I gave it, what, I gave it my best shot. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I wasn't good enough in, in the circumstance. In the, for the circumstance or the timing wasn't right, whatever it was, there was just something there that I wasn't good enough. And the, the opportunities that I did come across that would keep me there, for me, it wasn't worth staying and living away from family. It wasn't worth not completing my degree or not even starting my degree for that matter at 17 years old. So you, you win some and you lose some. But like you said, I, I came back into Melbourne, training athletes, but training, training general pop as well, you know. And it, it didn't matter for me, you know. Like I, lo- I love training both, but they're also very two different kettles of fish. You know, a general pop client is has a, has a lot of... Uh, and this is no disrespect, but a lot of general, top, general pop clients have a lot of superficial goals, you know, to look better or to lose fat, gain muscle. Uh, whereas an athlete has the um, goals of to uh, become faster or to become stronger so that he can, or her can succeed with his or her sport. And to me, that is a difference. That is a difference as to whether you're going to get results or not. If you have a superficial goal, generally your motivation is short-lived. If your goal is much more intrinsic, 
then you're going to succeed because there is no other, there's no other option for you in your head. Failure is not an option for that person. Whereas someone with a superficial goal, the, 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 there comes a time where it becomes tedious and there comes a time where they're not seeing the results in the mirror. So they slowly, slowly start becoming demotivated, demotivated until they stop and relax. Yeah, definitely, dude. And I've done a few podcasts with with people around the topic of goal setting and, and performance goals are so, you know, they're so crucial. And like you said before, they're not short-lived goals because you're, you know, you're going to keep striving to you seeing those results in a performance setting. Um, so I, I definitely think that there's a place not just for for general population people to have performance driven goals to be able to succeed um, at doing doing better things in their life whether it's they want to you know be able to play with their kids a little bit longer without you know feeling puffed out or tired or be able to carry 15 grocery bags in from the car at one trip like that we can create performance goals that suit your lifestyle you don't have to be a specific athlete to have performance goals would you agree oh 100 percent, 100 percent, and that's where it comes into uh, lifestyle to me, lifestyle is number one. If you, are, if you are loving the lifestyle you're living, it doesn't matter whether you are earning millions or you're earning thousands. At the end of the day, if you're loving the lifestyle, that, that's where it's at. And if you, are make, if you are having goals that are going to improve your lifestyle, whether that is being able to carry your four-year-old son without having lumbar back pain, or whether it is bringing 15 to 20 bags uh, of groceries in without ha- making a second trip, at the end of the day, they're all elements of your lifestyle that are going to be improved. Definitely, dude. And for the listeners at home that may be struggling in the area of performance goal setting or lifestyle goal settings, do you have any bits of advice for people to, you know, reshape their goals to be able to suit their lifestyle? I understand it's like a, it's a personalized approach, but just some surface advice for people like that. Yeah, definitely. This is the hard part, you see, because some people are very ingrained with how they think they are or some people are very set in their own ways and it's very hard to change habits, especially as you get older. But I suppose to answer that question, I would say you have to make those small steps to make those big changes. I love the quote that small holes sink a big ship. So small, little, bad habits will create larger, more colossal problems. So I think if you're wanting to make those small lifestyle changes. It's about doing just that and making those tiny little small lifestyle changes, which will eventually become greater habitual, uh, sorry, will then uh, change into habitual behaviors, which will then create a better lifestyle in the future. So just those small steps that uh, need to be taken to, um, yeah, so it's just that, like, that's what, as I was saying, yeah, it's just like the, the, the small steps that you need to take to make larger impacts with your lifestyle. That's what, it's, that's what it's about. It's about making the small, the small changes to reap large impacts. So yes. start with small changes, whether it's, um, whether it's maybe I'll start walking to work or maybe I'll start improving my breakfast only and then slowly implementing, all right, now I'm going to change up my lunch and this week I'm going to have a great breakfast and a great lunch and I'll stick to my old dinners. And then, and then the third week, you, you're all of a sudden having three meals that you like and are twice as healthy as what you previously were eating. Yeah, definitely. You hit the nail on the head, Hayden. Sorry, guys. My, um, my puppy buddy has just jumped all over me and <laughs> lost my train of thought. So, <laughs> you know, buddy, from previous podcasts, he's about twice the size from when we first started recording just for my weekly listeners. Now, Hayden, you, you hit the nail on the head with with starting small and increasing, you know, to make big, big 
habitual behaviors. And I think along that process, when you're making small sustainable changes, you often learn things and it sparks a fire to be able to make, you know, bigger, bigger habits and, and bigger changes in other areas of your lifestyle. So I, I really love the fact that you're, you know, promoting people to start making small changes to their lifestyle as opposed to drastic measures um, all at once. So definitely talking from my personal experience from both ends of the spectrum in my goal-driven um, weight loss period, I, I was, you know, trying to make drastic changes at once and, and it didn't really work out. And when I started shifting my focus inward and trying to be, you know, a little bit more healthier every day, that was when I started to see the most results and, and started to, to learn a lot more about, um, about my journey as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's all about that. It's all about that progressive, that progressive growth. You know, it's about the progressive growth and understanding that results take time. You know, if you want to see a different physique, you cannot expect one in six weeks, a complete different transformation. But if you take a twelve months transformation, then you can look back and see, wow, like my physique has has drastically changed over the last twelve months. Even though throughout that twelve months, you may be looking at yourself in the mirror and thinking that nothing is actually changing. I love it, dude, and I love we've um love the conversation that we're and the direction that this conversation is heading. But I know we've sort of bypassed the fact that you you know you are a qualified personal trainer. Let's bring it right back to you know what decided what was the catalyst for you starting your know, cert three and four in fitness and talk to us a little bit about your journey as a personal trainer. Yeah, sure. So basically, as I've said, when I travelled in 2012 to play football, I came back, and when I came back, I was in a period where uh, for me to re-enroll into my course, I would have basically a six-month period of no classes. So basically, I came back in a June and I wasn't going to be um, starting school again until the February after. So I had a period of time where I could play with. And I could have either chosen to work full-time and make some money, but instead I was like, you know what, I'm going to get my Cert 3 and 4 because I know in the future this is the direction I want to go anyway. So this is a wise move for me. So I went through with the Cert 3 and 4 with a company called Win Training, and they're located in Richmond. Um, the course was great. The course was great. The people I met were great. And, but, but in all honesty, the knowledge from the course, I would have known majority of that prior to, to stepping into the course. And this is all my own self-educating because I've always been passionate about the industry. I've always been passionate about health fitness, human movement, exercise, science, nutrition, you know, so I've always done my own study. So not to say I learned nothing because I had the practical element of being in the course, but a lot of the content, a lot of the academic stuff that I did learn in the course was things that I was already familiar with. So I did, I got through it with, part, uh, with flying colors. Um, the, the component of the course that did really help me was the uh, cert for in small business management, which was attached to it. That's the part that kind of gave me a new perspective on how to run, how to run a business when I left. So, so yeah, I finished the course and then I went into a lot of freelance personal training. I did a lot of PT with, um, with friends, uh, a few students that I used to know at, at schools that I worked at uh, in the school gyms. And then it progressed and it started growing and growing and growing. And I started, I started um, networking with different people until I landed my first, um, my first base or my first little space. And that was in West Melbourne. And I started PTing out of there in 2014, it would have been, taking one-on-one -on -one clients and moved from there um, a year later into where I was based in Melbourne, in Melbourne, called the Fit Centre. And, and that, place, that place is, to me, a stellar facility and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to leave, really. 
because me and the gym owner as well have a really great relationship and it, it has everything that I would possibly need in a gym to train clients effectively. Yeah, excellent, dude. And you've obviously been on quite a journey, you know, through, you know, the fitness industry and through your self-education. During that time and, and prior to um, completing your set three and four, why is self-education so important, particularly in the fitness industry and, you know, any other industry that you're in, um, just for listeners at home? I think especially when you're doing um, or running your own sort of business or being your own sort of boss, it's important that you have a blend of both the science and the art. So in my case, you have to have the academics behind you so you know what you're actually doing, but you have to have the personal experience to actually know how to apply it. So you've got to be able to apply the knowledge, not just have the knowledge, if you get what I mean. Definitely. And, you know, it's so easily accessible these days to be able to, you know, type something in on your smartphone and be able to educate yourself. So we've got all the resources these days to be able to build an empire, for lack of a better term, and, and obviously build our knowledge base in not only our field that, you know, we want to pursue a career in, but in other aspects of the world as well. And I think it's such a vital, vital bit of information just to, um, a vital bit of education, sorry, to be able to add 10 minutes or take 10 minutes out of your day to be able to um, research or, or invest time into something that you're interesting, interested in, it will definitely pay off in the future. Oh, 100%. But just on that as well, there is a lot of rubbish out there as well, especially on the internet. There is a lot of rubbish. So one thing I really did learn at university was the ability to, the ability to research, the ability to actually cite articles that were um, peer-reviewed and that that were genuine studies. It's, it's, not, it's not as simple as just typing something into Google and clicking the first link and then trusting that link as factual. You have to actually know what you're reading is science-backed because otherwise you can type something in and there is so many, there's so many um, Instagram influencers, if you like, that are simply promoting the wrong message because they may look good or because they may have a large following base. And that to me is the toxic that comes with the industry that we're in. Yeah, definitely, dude. And, and there is so much conflicting evidence, um, particularly in the fitness industry, where there's, there's a lot of yelling and screaming about certain, you know, certain goals and challenges and whatnot. And, and for a consumer, it's very confusing to be able to understand what's actually right and what's actually wrong information. So for any listeners at home that, you know, maybe may have resonated with something we've said here, Hayden, what are some key bits of information when researching yourself to be able to look out for, to make sure the source is credible and the, you know, the information is actually science-based as opposed to just uh, opinion-based? So best thing to do is obviously look at the source of what you're looking at. So whether it's a, whether it's a site that you're looking at, have a look at the integrity of the site or who's actually written the article. Uh, the best way that I know how to do this is by scrolling to the bottom of the page and seeing whether there is actually a list of references. If there's a list of references, it means that the article is actually backed by several, not just one, but several different scientific um, references. So the person writing it has done his homework or her homework to, to ensure that, that they're putting factual and beneficial educational content out there. 
Excellent, dude. I love that bit of advice and it's such a vital bit of, um, of information to take on board, guys. So definitely start looking at that when you're researching. Now, Hayden, I understand you, you've developed this passion for movement and you've incorporated it into a business setting to be able to coach clients and be able to make you know, lifestyle changes and athletic performance changes as well to be able to better people's lives and athletic performance. Talk to us a little bit about where your passion for teaching began and, and how you've incorporated the fitness aspect which you developed in your Cert 3 and 4 and, and through your industry experience to be able to pr- help that through the, a teaching aspect in a classroom setting. Sure. So after leaving high school, I jumped straight into uni actually. And initially I was studying a, a Bachelor of Human Movement and Exercise Science. So I actually started in, in the Human Movement and Exercise Science industry. Now I was a bit young and naive at this point. So I didn't see the value in the education. So not to say I wasted a lot of time, but the results that I, that I, that I got, I could have done a lot better. Anyway, two years into that course, I started thinking about what I was doing and what I wanted to do. And now with the course that I was doing and the attraction that I saw in a Bachelor of Education, I looked at Bachelor of Education as extremely versatile. And because I had the dream to travel the world, I looked at the Bachelor of Education degree as something that I could equip myself with in order to actually make my dream sustainable. So I decided to defer from the exercise science and human movement course. I've got a few RPLs that took me into education course and then I smashed that out. Okay, so basically I went into human movement initially, that's, that's where the passion lies, but I went into education because that was a more logical and realistic decision to make. So then obviously after completing the education degree, I blended the two together and integrated them both. And I, I created something where I was utilizing my teaching degree 100% because now not only am I teaching students in schools, but when it comes to my personal training, all of a sudden I realize now people are responding to me a lot better. Now I see, I see the change in people's face when they get it. They get that clicking moment when they, they understand how to move in a certain pattern or they understand what I mean by, um, for example, intermittent fasting, what I mean by creating a sustainable diet. I see how, how they respond. I know that they get it. So there are aspects of the education degree that have really helped me communicate with others to, um, to help them, basically. Yeah, definitely, dude. And I love how you've, you know, taken bits and pieces out of both courses and you've used it to benefit, you know, your whole lifestyle and your whole coaching and teaching method um, in a practical setting. Yeah, that, that, like I said, that's, that, that should be everyone's goal. You know, if you're going to go out of your way to invest in your own health or education, if someone invests in their own health, it means in the long term they want to be a more healthier person. If they're going to invest in their own education, it means in the long term they want to obviously benefit from the education they've invested into. So that, that, was, my, that was kind of my mentality. As I knew a lot of people that have studied lots of courses, but then they go into job roles that have nothing to do with the course that they've done. So they have a ginormous hex there and then they're also working in a complete irrelevant field. To me, that makes zero sense. Like, yes, you, you, you gain the knowledge of being an actual student in university and you gain the knowledge and the life skills through actually going through a tertiary course. But at the end of the day, the time, the effort and the money that you've actually invested into learning within a certain field, you've kind of put to waste to, to say the least. 
Yeah, definitely. I could not agree more. And we often, you know, a whole different discussion is how we rush into certain degrees um, based on, you know, knowing what we want to do when we're 17 years old and going straight into courses. And then, you know, their ability to keep up with your peers and, and staying in a course that you may not enjoy just to get the, the qualification in the end, um, you know, often goes through a lot of young students' minds. Um, at that point in time. And I guess coming from a person that has defer- deferred a course there, Hayden, we're taking a different different route to this podcast now, but coming from a person that has deferred a course before, what sort of bits of advice do you have for any young students that may be going through, you know, the same, the same mentality that you went through that they're in a course that they don't particularly enjoy, but just want to finish it off to get that certificate? Would you encourage them to take a complete 180 and go into a course that they enjoy or talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, look, firstly, I, I think this is a lot to say about the education industry and how how the transition from high school to university could be a lot better because a lot of students come out of their final year of high school and they're still completely lost with what they want to do because they're not they're not tunneled into a certain direction. They still have no idea. You know, the, the spectrum is way too broad. So it, it's completely normal to still feel a little bit lost straight out of high school, or even two years into a, a degree that you started because you're still going through crazy amounts of growth between like 18 and 23, 24. You're a complete different person from 18 to 24. So it's completely normal to, to have these feelings and, and want to change into a, into a different course. So the advice that I, that the advice that I can give is if, you, if you're feeling in your heart that the course that you're doing is not right for you or the course that you're doing is not your future, then you don't need to continue through it. See what options you have. A lot of tertiary institutions will have a lot of options for you to actually change into another course and not have to start from scratch because some of your units may um, give you credits. So you, you take that, you take that turn, you take that turn and you follow what you truly want to do and you, you know what you want to do over time. The, the vision, the creativity, all of that will come to you. It's just about not, don't rush the process. I, I, I like, I like the mentality of, of um, realizing that you're not, you know, we're not all being, so if you know the the saying or the phrase uh, to be in the moment or to always be, in in my opinion, it's always you're always becoming. We're always constantly changing as people. You know, you're always you're always changing uh, in terms of physically and in terms of uh, mentally. So it, it's completely normal to change your mind or to go in a different direction. It's about whichever direction you do choose. Make sure you give it everything you got and make sure you head in that direction with with um you change your, you change direction but you take that direction so change direction yes but don't change direction and then still float around wondering whether or not that direction was right you change the direction and then you stick to it and that's where i was coming into before we started the podcast talking about intuition and trusting your intuition to me your intuition is number one and as you grow up you start realizing the more you trust your intuition the better you get at actually trusting it, if that makes sense. And your intuition, there's something inside of you that is telling you what you should do. And it's the first thing you feel. It's the first thing you feel. And every time you doubt that first thing you feel and you go with the second thing, you always come back thinking, I feel trusted my gut instinct, as you say, as they say. Definitely. And just for the listeners at home, guys, I did an awesome podcast with Sam Asar back in episode early thirties, I think it was. And we did a whole hour and a half chat on intuition and, and what it feels like and what it, how it comes across in different people and how to trust your gut instinct without letting your, 
you know, your brain give you a logical solution. So definitely go back and, and have a listen to that and, and realize that, you know, we all have an intuition. We all have a decision to make at the end of the day and learning how to, how to trust it and, and go with the flow for lack of a better term. Now, Hayden, I originally wanted to start this podcast talking about movement, mate, but we've taken a complete 180 turn and I absolutely love it. You're a wealth of knowledge and you, you know, you're giving people practical life skills that I think they can definitely apply to their life. And I had no idea that we would take this route, but I'm loving it so far, mate. Now, heading back into the movement sector, I understand that you're taking a little bit of a different approach with your personal training and the way you coach your clients. You're, you're taking a practical lifestyle coaching method as opposed to you know the typical gym split, for lack of a better term, or the bro science approach to fitness. So talk to us a little bit about your transition into you know a hybrid training style and how did that come about and what does it consist of? Yeah, so I basically take a hybrid training approach with, with training. This is the way that I've learned to love training myself. So with my goals always being surrounded by athleticism and then seeing that a byproduct of this training was a great physique or was like improved body composition, I thought this is the best approach to take with clients, especially considering the versatility of it. So my hybrid training approach basically incorporates four different training methods so powerlifting body weight or gymnastic strength or calisthenics if you like uh, circuit based training and um and hip based training okay so all these blended together uh, i find can achieve any goal so for example if i have a client who his primary or her primary goal is to get stronger then the program that i create for him or her will incorporate all four to an extent, but will prioritize the powerlifting side of things. And again, if I have a client who wants to drop body fat, then all four components will be found within the program, but there might be a greater emphasis on the hit and circuit-based work. So I find that this approach is one that can always be, it can always be um, fitted to a person, if you like. And, and with that is what's taken me in the lifestyle direction because as I, as I said earlier in the, in the podcast, if you're improving your lifestyle, then the long-term effects are so positive. They're, they're colossally positive because your, your lifestyle is being improved. So it becomes effortless and you all of a sudden see your physique changing because your lifestyle is improved. So it, it's just a, it's a win-win in my, in my opinion. If, if someone is loving training, if someone is loving what they're eating and how they're eating, then it's not, it's not the mentality that I'm on a diet and I need to drop X in X amount of time. It's more so I love, these, I love this food and this is what I eat. And three years later, all of a sudden they see that their food choices and their lifestyle habits is what has created the physique or is what has created them feeling so great or being full of energy or being full of life at all times. Yeah, definitely, dude. I really love how you're incorporating, you know, four different energy systems for lack of a better term and you're combining them into one sort of training approach that's going to fit any goal and any sort of um, target that people want to achieve and and um, I guess that's why your role as a trainer and as an educator becomes so pivotal in this aspect because in the fitness industry and when walking into a big gym we're often a byproduct of what we see and we copy people what they're doing and we get advice off the bros in the gym and create a program around that little education, not saying that, you know, some people may not know what they're talking about, but, you know, for, for the point of this conversation, I think that 
what you're doing is, is so so crucial, mate. Now, talk to us a little bit how you incorporate uh, the this hybrid approach into your own training and what sort of benefits have you seen from an athletic standpoint and, and from a lifestyle standpoint as well? Yeah, sure. So um, basically where I, how I used to love to train or how I still do love to train, I, I like to lift heavy weights, but then I also like to train athletically. So there's a, there's a component of plyometric based training within there as well within this hybrid approach. So it, it, it's more of a, whatever goal I have at hand. So I may be, I did a bit of, I did a bit of sprinting before I left the country. So I, I competed in a few Victorian athletic league, 70 meter dashes which uh, involves a lot, quite a bit of prize money, actually. So at that time, for example, a lot of my training revolved around plyometrics, around speed development, around sprinting, around uh, moving force with speed. So you're developing that muscular explosive power that's going to transition into that linear speed that I needed to obviously win races. Now, this, this goes the same for a client that I take on. With, with, that, with that training for myself, the, from the four components, I was predominantly looking at the... The, the powerlifting side of things and obviously the plyometric side of things and anything else that was going to be using that anaerobic energy system that was going to give me that sort of explosive muscle fiber reaction from the training that I was doing. So if I wanted to be fast, I had to train fast. Just like if someone wants to be strong, they have to lift heavy weights. You're not going to get strong by uh, lifting reps between the 15 and 20, 20 rep range. You're going to get strong by lifting heavy weights within the one to five rep range. So it, it becomes, that, that's where training principles come in. And you may remember this uh, in a lecture that I took with, with Cedo, with you in the classroom about, about training principles and, and the importance of training principles. With whatever goal you're actually going to attack, you have to ensure that if, if they are in terms of fitness, you have to ensure that progressive overload. You have to ensure that specificity. Uh, specificity. Yeah, you, have to, you have to know what you're doing is actually going to take you in the direction of the goal that you want to achieve. Yeah, definitely, Hayden. And that's why, you know, us as trainers play such a pivotal role in, in developing sustainable programs for people that, you know, can last a lifetime and, and teaching people movement patterns that they not only enjoy, but can keep up three to four days a week till they're 70, you know. Um, now, Hayden, again, on the typical, you know, bro sort of approach that we were talking about before at a, like a Globo gym, why is the hybrid training style so beneficial for the everyday person? And, and how can they incorporate more of these movement patterns into their program? Yeah, two words here. I would say functional bodybuilding. Okay, a lot of the, if you take it back a generation, a lot of the bodybuilding that, we, that, that you see, like you mentioned, is those bro splits, back and bias, chest and tries. Uh, these things, uh, there's nothing against this sort of training and it's not to say that they won't get you results, but at the same time, it's very, very outdated. Exercise science, human movement, fitness, it's come a long way since then. We know now that there are much more efficient ways to get the same results that are going to also reap so many more benefits in a func from a functional perspective. Uh, I like to think of it, uh, I like to think when, I, when I'm training someone or when I um, ask someone to train on their own to think, uh, to train movement patterns and then muscles follow suit. So you don't, you don't train muscles individually or isolate muscle groups. Instead, train movement patterns and the muscles will follow suit and you'll see the same benefits in a shorter period of time. Yeah, definitely, Hayden. And on the, you know, training muscles to, to be able to move, what are some main compound movements that people should be incorporating in their, in their program to suit their lifestyle and, and you know, achieve their goals? Yeah, 
So definitely the, the human primal movement patterns. So if you look through the human primal, primal movement patterns, you want to be obviously hinging. So deadlifting, you want to be squatting, you want to be lunging, you want to be um, vertical pushing and pulling, and then you want to be horizontal pushing and pulling. Then there's also the, the, the additional primal movement pattern, which sometimes gets overlooked, but it's the, the gait or the loaded carry. So your, your gait and how you walk, that, believe it or not, is actually a pattern that a lot of people forget to, to train, the biomechanics of how to walk, how to run. This in the long term can be the difference between suffering arthritis, suffering lower back pain, suffering hip pain, or whether, you, whether you're going to um, achieve that longevity and, and still be moving freely at 70 plus years old and feeling amazing running marathons or whatever you want to be doing at 70. Yeah, I love that you've recognised that as well, Hayden. And, and for me personally, I've taken more of a, a, an approach to that recently with my clients. They're coming with postural issues and by no means am I a chiropractor, but, you know, developing the fundamental movement patterns to be able to teach people to, you know, correct their technique while they're walking. Because as you said, the long-term damage that that can have um, on someone developing arthritis, lower back pain, the, you know, it, it's immense. So being able to correct those techniques and, and starting small and being able to do that is, is so crucial. 100%. And, and it comes down to habit, you know, like if you take a elderly person who loves to do their gardening and they love their, doing their gardening in their backyard, but over time they have forgotten how to bend over or how to squat. And I'll give you the example of looking at a toddler. If you look at a toddler playing in the sand and seeing that perfect squat form, like genuinely perfect squat form, but then you watch movement disintegrate over time due to lifestyle. And then come the elderly years, you see a lot of people with um, hunched backs or people that cannot move at all through the hip joint. This is just a product of what, li what life does to you over time if you're not taking care of your own movement you definitely hit the nail on the head mate because you never see a you know a toddler walking incorrectly or or squatting incorrectly like you just said mate now how can we put that into a practical setting setting and be conscious about our movement patterns um for you know the listeners at home well without being biased to you and i but if you do not understand the the if you do not understand how to move properly then you hire someone that can teach you the movement patterns but that's saying it short, you know, because even myself, and I'm sure it's the same for you, but at, even though the knowledge that I have and the experience that I have, even I still benefit from having a coach or seeing, even if it's not a coach, seeing a person uh, watch me and give their opinion on my movement or even a video recording of myself that I can look at because it's that, it's that other perspective that you can get with your own movement and you all of a sudden start seeing where your energy leaks or where your movement compensates. Uh, a typical example is one of my own, reaching over for my, um, for my toes. I've uh, in the past suffered from quite tight hamstrings. Now, this has been a goal of mine to improve this lately. And what I've noticed is a big compensation occurs is if I can't stretch at my hamstrings, then you compensate at the lower back or the knee joint. So the joints, the joints in between are the ones that suffer, but you don't realize that you're actually suffering. So you could, be, you could be functioning at 70% and that might feel like you're 100% until you reach 100% and you realize, holy crap, like this is what 100% actually feels like. What have I been doing? Where has this last 30% been the last five years of my life? But you don't realize because you become so accustomed to your own movement. You become so accustomed to how you think feels right, even though it's not. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Hayden. I did see that um, 
that post on Instagram about your hamstring flexibility lately. So testament to you, mate, doing all that on the road, which we're going to get into a little bit later on about how you've managed to keep up this lifestyle and, and putting your basic principles of moving, movement into practicality, living on the road. But before we get into that, I want to start transitioning into how you got to living on the road and how you developed your, you know, what you've built where being a personal trainer, your time is, is your money really. So that's your income and, and how have you transitioned that into an online platform to be able to still give people, you know, solid sound advice um, from an online perspective. Talk to us a little bit about that, mate. Yeah, sure. So I've always been someone that um, is in search of freedom, not, not necessarily financial freedom, but like I said earlier, it's always been about lifestyle, uh, lifestyle for me. So between getting my first job at 14 years old, nine months to now, I would have gone through 25 to 30 jobs. Whereas I know, I know some people that have stick, stuck with the same one to two jobs throughout that time. So I've always been someone, I don't really like being told what to do, so to speak. I don't like being restricted with what I can and can't do in terms of, of lifestyle. So that's why I took the approach that I have in being my own boss, so to speak. So when I decided to, um, to leave the country initially, I left, I came back, as I told you before the podcast started, um, for my girlfriend, Alicia, and then we came back over together. During that time, that time was probably an eight-month period in total. Now, during that time, I was coaching back home in Melbourne, and I had quite a large client base. Um, online and offline. So when I left, obviously, I didn't want to keep all my clients in the dry, especially considering for me, it's all about relationships when it comes to coaching. So I developed these relationships and started getting to know where my, where my clients needed help. I, I understood their lifestyles. So it was the same for them. They didn't want to lose me because they knew what I knew about them. So this is where the online side of things came in. I developed my own website and then I created the, the, the app through a, through a software that I now use um, and, and coach clients through. And basically, they have the opportunity to subscribe to an online client. They get their meal plans. They get their training programs. But most importantly, they have me as a 24-7 resource, which they can contact and then at any time. So being able to do that on the road is just so convenient because just like I'm talking to you at the moment, I either find a cafe or a personal hotspot somewhere. And then I do a bit of work, a few hours here and there, just to check in with everyone, which I do uh, on, a, on a weekly to fortnightly basis. And then it's just about continuously managing that. You're managing not only their programs, but you're managing their lifestyle. You see, you see which clients have what habits that need to be worked on. And you see um, which clients are killing it and know exactly the direction that they need to be going. And regardless which client category they fall into, both of them still benefit from having me because the ones that are doing very well they have me as an accountability. So they know that they want to keep doing well, otherwise I'll get, back, I'll get onto their back. And then those, the ones that don't, it's just about making those, those small baby steps to slowly, slowly improving the lifestyle. 12 months later, you look back and the client is a completely different person. And that to me is the most rewarding person, the most rewarding feeling when you see genuine lifestyle change and they're not turning back. Even if they don't want you as a coach anymore, they're not turning back. They've changed their lifestyle for the better. And that's, all, that's okay. And that's brilliant. And that's what I love to see. That is really what gives me a kick. Yeah, I love it, dude. And you, you know, you are um, preaching to your client sustainability and, and management of your life and being able to do things for the rest of your life. And I, I love that, you know, you're a walking billboard for that being, 
noticing sustainability areas, areas that you can improve your sustainability in this role and, and taking your platform online but still giving people, you know, sound advice is, is fantastic, dude. Now, heading into your life on the road, you touched on the catalyst for for um, starting that journey at the beginning of the podcast. I want to know how you've, you know, how life has been on the road, how you've been able to complete your day-to-day things and, and your you know, your passion for movement, your passion for healthy eating. How have you kept that up while living on the road, my friend? Yeah, so basically I like to not foresee but manage my lifestyle. And I know that's one that's always changing. My lifestyle is something that I'm continuously adapting to or continuously having to um, basically work with. So when I realise eventually I know that I'm going to be on the road for a long period of time, it's going to be wise to transition into a different training style, training style that I can still benefit in a certain, in a certain um, area. So once I, once I knew that was the plan, I started going in the direction of bodyweight strength. So I started working in the gym with bodyweight strength. Then as I went onto the road, it was as simple as buying a few resistance bands. I have a set of parallel bars. And then I use an app called Calisthenics Parks, which basically shows me all calisthenics parks within the area. So, and then, and then again, it's like any other program, you create the program and then you make sure you stick to it. So mine was one that I knew that I could stick to three days of 90 minute sessions at the minimum. And then whatever else I want to do on top of that is on my own accord. But again, it's just about you creating a program or you creating a routine or a lifestyle that you know that you can stick to 100%. Yeah, definitely dude. And you've set some non-negotiable passions that, you know, help you thrive and help you to be the person you are. And you're, you know, you're still doing them to the best of your ability with the resources you've got, mate. I absolutely love that. Now talk to us a little bit about your journey. What's, what's happening? How has, how have you gone from teaching in the UK to, you know, having beers besides Lake Como in Italy. Talk to us about that and some of the lessons you've learned along the way. <laughs> sure. So basically we um, moved over into Leeds, which is Northern England. And I was teaching there for a while on and off with a, with a school um, as a PE teacher. Okay. Now during this time as well, Leeds was our base and did some travel between um, Africa, Asia, uh, and Europe, like I mentioned at the start of the, of the podcast. So did a fair bit of travel, tried to tick off as many places as I could. Then after that, we decided to pack up shop and bought this van. And then we moved into the van and I was training progressively still. And then it, it's just about exploring and, all, and just going where the wind takes me. I haven't had much of a plan. I try and stick to um, every two weeks or so, reevaluate where I am, where I want to go, and then head in that direction. But it's all underpinned by the same goals. My goals don't change because my situation does, if you, if you know what I mean. It's about when it comes to eating well or when it comes to, to training, these things are choices. So if you choose not to train or if you choose not to eat well, it's your, it's your choice. You know, even whilst on the road, for example, it's easy to continuously buy out food, buy food, buy food. But not only are you eating into your own budget, but you're also probably making the wrong food decisions consistently. Whereas I took the approach of going to a local supermarket that I'm in. I still, I still try the cultural foods by eating the produce, by trying things I haven't tried before. But I know that I have my protein source in there. I know that I have a solid amount of fiber in there. I know that there's some vegetables in there. Right? So you're, you're, you're evaluating, you're, you're always evaluating and scanning your options. And then once you do, it's about looking inside and instead of, thinking what am I craving you think what do I need and you 
and you know you know what your body needs if you think if you look in deep enough you know what your body needs you you realize i need citrus or um i need fiber because you, you you start to learn about what your body feels when it needs something yeah if you, if you consistently follow that 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 mentality then you can't go wrong so to speak because you're giving your body what it actually needs rather than what it actually wants so you're nourishing it and that that's what it's about it's about nourishing if you're consistently nourishing then you're you're you're, you're generally generally eat, uh, eating um, nutritious whole foods because that's what nourishes definitely hayden and you know this is the time of year in in australia where people you know go over to europe and go for extended periods of time five six weeks and often tip the balance at one end do you have any sort of bits of advice for people to be able to maintain that balance and and instill immerse yourself in the culture and enjoy those you know, those things that the world has to offer without having restrictions, but to not tip the balance at one end and, you know, um, come back in a, in a worse place than you left off. What are some bits of advice for, for some travellers out there at the moment? Yeah, this is a tough one, actually, because a lot of travellers will go out with the mentality that I'm on a holiday, so I'm going to let loose completely, which is completely fine. But obviously, with my approach, it was more, it's not a holiday, this is lifestyle for a while. But even if you are going for that six to eight week period and you don't want to completely relapse with all the progress you've made, it's just about understanding that, all right, you're on a six to eight week holiday, so you're obviously going to be having some fun. Now, if you leave the training, if we speak from a training perspective at the moment, if you leave the training to the, towards the end of the day, you're not going to train. It's about waking up. And the first thing you do when you wake up, just smash something up, whatever, whatever it needs to be. But you do that as soon as you wake up, then you commence your day. So you get up an hour earlier than you normally would or an hour before your mates that you're traveling with, you get the work done and then you go out with, with your day. And I can tell you right now, you have a better day because you'll feel so much better. Even with, whether you have a hangover or not, you smash that workout out and you tell me how you feel after that workout and then tell me how the rest of your day pans out compared to who you're with who hasn't done that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a common thing that I'm preaching through through everything that I'm doing and, and the, pod, the guests that I've had on the podcast is that movement is key and moving your body in, in is the most important factor of life. So we're designed to move. So be able to incorporate that into your lifestyle while you're on holidays and, and still, you know, immerse yourself in the culture and enjoy, enjoy your experiences as well. Yes, 100%. But this comes down to as well, not just walking. A lot of people think walking is a sufficient form of exercise. And if I walk for one hour a day, that's good enough exercise for me. In my opinion, walking is not the greatest form of exercise. If that's, the, if that's your only form of exercise, then essentially, or it's not as good as not doing anything, but it's not, it's not effective. You need to be incorporating some, incorporating some form of resistance-based training or some form of training that can actually exert you because this is, a, this is a training that's actually going to improve movement. This is a training that's actually going to improve longevity. Walking is just simply burning calories and burning calories is not, it's not essentially something that's going to help you progress in any way, shape or form. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, moving your body and, and obviously it's walking is so much better than sitting on the couch and doing nothing, but you know, walking is an incidental movement that we should be doing, you know, on, uh, in addition to our other other movement as well, incorporating bits of play and whatnot. Um, so yeah, definitely try and get your daily steps up as well. But incorporating different movement patterns and move your body in ways that you enjoy alongside walking is is what the healthiest populations in the world do. 
yeah, perfect, mate. Excellent, Hayden. Now, where to next, mate? What are your future goals and when are you coming back down to Australia? Yeah, so this is the, this is the question that I've been asked recently. And to be honest, I'm not 100% sure on the answer just yet. I like to, I like to keep goals or movement. With, I like to know what I'm doing six months at a time, not really much more than that. So from here, I'd say I'd be moving east towards Hungary and then exploring that area a bit before moving up towards Berlin, where I'll try and sell the van and then move um, south uh, towards Albania and Greece. Um, from there, I look to travel out from Athens into Southeast Asia and travel a bit through there and then be home, be home for Christmas time, maybe a couple of days before. Uh, and then longer term goals, especially in Melbourne, I'm looking to potentially open a gym. I'll go back to the Fit Centre definitely, uh, coach some clients out through there. But then longer term goals, it would be great to, to have my own space, to have my own gym that I can call home. Absolutely love your whole philosophy on life, mate. And, you know, I've said it before, you are living the dream, exploring and immersing yourself in all these different cultures and, and leading a healthy, sustainable lifestyle at the same time, mate. You're a testament to yourself and you're doing amazing things while on the road and, and um, making a positive impact from the other side of the world is, is definitely what you're doing, mate. Just before we wrap up this podcast, Hayden, where's, can, where can people contact you if they've resonated with something that, that you've said? Um, during the podcast mate so just drop your handles in here oh brilliant okay so you can basically check out my instagram which is hvc fit uh my website which is hvcfitness.com or you can click through an email uh hayden at hvcfitness.com uh, there's also a facebook page if you just type in HVC Fitness, uh, you'll find me on all three platforms. So um, don't hesitate to, to do so. Uh, I love receiving inquiries. I love, even if it is just a question, um, I do love helping people. At the end of the day, that is my ethos. And that, that's, that's what I'm here for, to, to help people that need the help. Yeah, you're definitely bleeding passion, my friend. And I'll have all those details for you guys in the show notes that you can get in contact with Hayden and, and pick his brain. He is a wealth of knowledge. We haven't got into, you know, the in-depth of functional movement patterns and, and specific um, exercise goals and, and regimes. But I'm sure if you've got a personalized approach, shoot Hayden a message. He'll be able to coach you through that. Not a problem at all. Hayden, just before we wrap up the podcast, mate, what is your main message and why do you get out of bed every day? That's a tough question, mate, because there are many reasons to get out of bed, especially the fact that we're alive. As soon as you wake up, if you wake up, stare at the ceiling and you're alive, and you're alive, that's a beautiful feeling in itself. So that in itself is a reason to get out of bed. But otherwise, it's just that drive for life. It's the passion that I have to help others. It's that passion that I have to live free. It's that passion that I have to actually be the best person that I can be whilst also helping others to do the same. So at the end of the day, people's fitness goals are my passion, but... I also have many other passions that surround that surround what I'm what I'm about. So, yeah, it's just about keep kicking goals. If you kick those small goals, you know, do great things in life. Always strive for greatness is what I like to say. Yeah, definitely, mate. I absolutely love your you know your whole philosophy on like your life's not life. Let's try that one again. <laughs> your whole philosophy on life and and the passion that you're bleeding through movement and how that's stemming into all different pillars of your life, mate. I'm looking forward to catching catching up with you when you're back down in Australia, but I'll, I'll leave you to go enjoy the scenery in, in Austria, mate. And thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, Matthew. Thanks for having me, mate. Excellent, buddy. Take care. Enjoy.
And that's this week's dose of Euphoria. Connect with myself and the Euphoria Health community on Instagram or Facebook at Euphoria Health. Through these channels, you'll find cool workouts, plant-based recipes and daily challenges. Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Zapala, And remember, don't settle for anything less than Euphoria.